Good morning, everybody. I know where I have to end today. I know where I've got to get to, but I have honestly no idea how to get there. I know what God wants to end the service with, but I don't know how to get to that place. So please pray for me that I take the right path here to get to where God wants us to go. That worship was amazing. The presence of Holy Spirit was so powerful. Thank you so much, worship team, for that. At one stage we sang, Rise up, it's time to take your place. And we sang that, and the presence of God was just so powerful on that for us to rise up and take our place. And then we are seated with you in heavenly places. Rise up, it's time to take your place. So I really, really believe that God wants to do something powerful with us this morning so that we can rise up and take our place as we are truly already seated in heavenly places with him, that we can start living from that position rather than trying to get to it. But we also sang that he is Lord, he's God. Is, I think this is, this, is this very loud? Not? Okay. Maybe it's just in my head today, but... I believe God wants to do something very powerful amongst us this morning, but to be able to do that, we have to go from the premises that He is Lord, and what He says is right is right. There's no other way. It doesn't matter how we feel, what our emotions say, what things look like around us. If He is Lord and we want to walk in His power, we need to do what He tells us to do. There's just no other way. And I don't like using my own life as an example, but today is a very, very good example to be able to use my own life, to be able to do this, to do what God tells us to do if He is truly Lord. So, He is truly Lord, He wants us to take our place, and He wants this kingdom of His to advance. So how do we get to that place? Many times in the natural realm, we, we grow up and we look at things from a perspective of what's right and what's wrong. And that's not the best way to do it. Because you can be right in something, but acting in your rightness, you could be wrong. So right and wrong is very black and white law. This is the way it is. You break that. This is what's best for you. But when we come into the kingdom, we look at things from what brings life and what brings death. We judge not by what's right and what's wrong, we judge by, in this situation, what is going to bring life and what is going to bring death. doesn't matter what's right or what's wrong. If what I'm going to do now does not bring life and the light of God, even though I'm right and I can, it's my right to do this, don't do it. Judge by building the kingdom, building light, doing what is right because it brings life. Rather than, I'm right, I'll show you, do you think you are? No, we do, and we step out in our rightness, and now we've brought darkness. Anti-anointing. That that kills the blessing. Just because I was right, I had a right to do that. So we need to judge what brings life and what brings death in all circumstances, rather than am I right, do I have the right to act this way or not? So, let's just go to Matthew 13. I'm just kicking off here anyway, because I know this is in the bulletin. We had this there. So, the parable of the sower, Matthew 13. And this parable is in three of the Gospels. It's just not in the Gospel of John. Such an amazing parable. He has so much to learn, so much to understand. So let's see how far we get through this here. You have to read all three Gospels. You have to read the accounts in all three of them to get a whole picture. Because what's so wonderful about the Bible is that we have three different people giving their version of what Jesus said. And we all have different lenses. We all have a different way of seeing things. We all have different personalities. We all have different gifts. 
So three people can see the same story, can see the same thing happening outside the church. And when you ask three different people, you're going to have three different stories about the very same thing. But then you get everyone's viewpoint and you put it all together and then you have such a broader view of the truth. And that's in the gospel as well. So Matthew writes to us here in verse, let's start in verse uh, 14. Because Jesus tells us parable and the disciples come to him and they say, Oh, that was, what in the world are you talking about? Stony ground, good ground, seed choking the weed. Uh, what is, can you just please, man, just, you know, just tell it like it is. What are you? And they say, why do you t- talk to them in parables? And Jesus says, he says, I talk to them in parables. And he explains why. And he says, in verse 14, after he explains why, he said, In them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear. And shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. Now, it almost sounds, if you read this whole parable, like God is doing this. God is responsible for the people not getting it. God is telling them parables so that they can't understand. Because he's just told a parable. They ask why, and he says, because Isaiah said, you know, seeing you will not perceive, hearing you will not get it. So it sounds like this could be, well, if you're a loving God, if you're doing this, then why Why use this method of teaching? Why do this to us? But let's see what Isaiah wrote here, speaking the words of God. Verse 15, for the hearts of this people have grown dull. God did not give them dull hearts. The hearts of the people have grown dull. So he talks about the seed being sown. Where's the seed sown? Question? On the hearts. Okay, so you receive the seed in your heart. But God says their hearts have grown dull. In other words, in the beginning, God didn't give them a dull heart. Who do you think wants more than anyone else for us to understand the word? God. So, sowing the seed. Someone is sowing the seed and they hear and they hear and they hear, but they don't understand and Three, four weeks ago, I explained to you what understand means. It means to take the word, the seed that you've heard, and put it into practice. Because hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and not doing becomes self-deceived, and your heart becomes dull. Your heart becomes hard, so that when new seed comes, your heart is so hard, it can't find place to grow and find root. So Jesus says here, because he says to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, he's saying, get this, guys. This is important. Listen to what I'm saying. Don't allow your heart to be hard. Take the seed. Put it in. Let it grow. So Jesus says, this people's hearts have become dull. He goes on. He says, and their ears are hard of hearing. He didn't do that. Have you spoken to somebody, maybe you're a parent and you've spoken to a child and you've said, man, pick up those toys in the lounge. Pick up those pieces of Lego on your floor. Because it's not nice to walk barefoot in the night to go and say goodnight and you stand on a tiny piece of Lego. And the next morning when you explain to your child, "Ah, their ears have grown hard of hearing. You've said it over and over and over again. And their eyes, look at this, catch this. What is Isaiah saying? Their eyes, they have closed. You get it here? It's not God closing the eyes. It's not God making the ears deaf. It's not God hardening the hearts. The people have closed. They chose to close their eyes. Not receive the seed, the word, and do what the word tells us to do, even though he is Lord, and we raise our hands, and we sing, and we praise, and we worship, but do we do what he tells us to do? That's understanding of the word. So, their eyes, they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, And hear with their ears, 
lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. What's God's desire? To heal. What's God's desire? For the word, the seed that he sows into your heart for that to take root and grow and bring forth fruit. That's his desire. But should you choose to hear the word, not understand it, not do it, then God's not going to force you to bear fruit. It's your choice. You and I have an opportunity, child of God, to bear fruit in this kingdom just as much as we have an opportunity to say, you know, I don't want to bear fruit. This is too hard, too difficult. I'm not going to do it. So you can talk and explain and do everything. I don't want to do that. And this is what God says. He says, they have closed their eyes. If they would listen, if they would do, he said, I should heal them. That is God's will, is for us to be healed. And what he's talking about here is concerning the mysteries of the kingdom. Because they come to him in the beginning and they say, in verse 13, the disciples say, why do you speak to them in parables? Verse 11, he says, he answered and said, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. So what has not been given to them? What has not been given to them? Right, they didn't have a stony heart. But according to this verse, the mysteries of the kingdom, not the kingdom. The kingdom's been given. The kingdom is sown. That's why Jesus says, get this parable. A sower goes out to sow. What's he sowing? The word of God, which contains what? The kingdom. Kingdom is being sown. In that kingdom, when you understand and you do, now you start seeing the mysteries of the kingdom. And now the kingdom starts making sense. Now you start seeing what the kingdom is all about. Because what have you done? Change the way you think. Repent. Because the kingdom of God is now at hand. Do things a different way. Change your mind about how you do things. When you start doing that, now the kingdom starts making sense. And now we understand the kingdom. And the kingdom is working. But he says to them, the mysteries of the kingdom have not been given. Why not? Because they're not doing what the word told them to do. In other words, they're not understanding. They're just hearing, 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 not putting into practice. So the mysteries of the kingdom are not being made visible in and through their lives. Does that make sense? Are we all It's very quiet in here? So Jesus says the mysteries of the kingdom have not been given to them because they don't use the word or the seed sown in their hearts. That's what he's saying over here. So then he carries on and he says the different kinds of ground. Um, 16, blessed are your eyes for they see, your ears for they hear. For surely I say that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see and did not see it, to hear what you hear and did not hear. Remember at one stage, Jesus turns around and he says to them after, he said, you have to eat my flesh. You must drink my blood to have this kingdom be a part of you. Can you remember that? What does it say? People, God, offended, turned around, walked away. They heard the word of the kingdom, but they didn't partake of it. So they hardened their hearts. Their ears were dull of hearing. They turned around and walked away. What did Jesus do? Turned around to his disciples and said, you guys out of here as well? Are you guys going? And Peter, dear Peter, Peter stands up and he says, where are we going to go? Where do you want me to go? I've seen who you are. I've seen the things you do. I hear the anointing in your words. I see your life. I know who you are. Where do you want me to go after I have had a taste of this? Do I understand drinking blood? It's against the law. It's forbidden. I don't understand it. Do I understand eating flesh against the law? Not allowed to do it. I don't understand it but I know who you are and I'm going to follow, even though I don't understand that. Where am I going to go? Peter. 
And this is what God says. Because so many times we don't understand. But man, we have the choice to say, whether I understand or don't, I know that you are moving in my heart to do this. And because you are Lord, I'm going to do this. And now when we do that, mysteries of the kingdom unveil themselves. And the kingdom starts working and makes sense and begins to reveal itself in the way that God intended it to be revealed. So Jesus is talking here and he carries on. Um, He explains now because they come and they say, explain to us. So he said, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, does not understand, the wicked one comes, snatches it away. We said, understand, if you just hear and you don't do. This is he who received seed by the wayside. Verse 20, but he who received the seed on stony places is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. This is so powerful. This is such an amazing part of teaching here. Because so many people believe that tests and trials come from God. So many people believe that this is God doing it to me. So many people, and we hear because it sounds great. That tests and trials, man, embrace them. You go through them, you just walk. That's amazing. Tests and trials. Because tests and trials make you stronger. What did Jesus say in the most important parable of all? Why do tests and tribulations, why do they come? Because of the word you received. Who wants to take the word away from you? Jesus is trying to get it to you. Who wants to take it away? The enemy. So what does he do? He brings a trial concerning that word to see, do you really believe? Because you see, my brother and sister, if tests and trials made us stronger, we would all be spiritual giants. Raise your hand in here. If you don't experience tests and trials, please. At least we're all telling the truth today. Look at God's own people whom he loved and prepared a promised land. And at a land flowing with milk and honey for them. What was the word given? What was the seed sown? There is a promised land flowing with milk and honey. All you have to do is walk about 11 days through the desert and we'll be there. How long did it take? 40 years. Were they strong when they got on the other side? No. Half of them died in the desert. Why? Don't tests and trials make us stronger? This is what happens. Whatever you do with the word that you received in the test and the trial, that is what makes you strong. Not the word. It's what you do with the word. Because the whole time, we have 24-7 Christian TV, we have newspapers, we go to church, prayer groups, school of ministry, households that have home cells in them. Man, we get the word all the time. Word, 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 word. God's just sowing, sowing, sowing. What's the enemy trying to do? Take the word away, take the word away, take the word away. How does he do it? He can't just come in and steal the word. He doesn't have the power. So now you receive a word concerning health. Man, by stripes I was healed. Jesus died on the cross. Wow, it's amazing. He paid for me by every stripe. Man, that's amazing. And you get sick. Now the enemy is saying, Rifle, did you receive that word concerning healing? Do you believe it, Rifle? Or is it just a nice little word that you received? Let's see. Because he's trying to steal the word. Because child of God, the enemy knows that you nothing. You are absolutely nothing to him. But he can't stand against the word. So if you act on the word, if you live the word, if you believe the word, if you hold the word, and that word takes root in your heart, he can't get it out. So he's doing everything he possibly can to remove the word. Does that make sense? 
So when you receive a word, Jesus speaking in red in the Bible, he says here, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a little while. Have you seen people grab a word concerning something? Whoa, this is amazing. And a year later, you bump into them, and it would be as if they've never set foot in church before. Man, they started off so strong. They were on fire. Every home group I went to, they were there preaching. They were giving their testimony. They were, wow, it's amazing. And now they, as if God never, ever existed in their life before. They started off strong because they received the word, praise God. But when they receive the word, the enemy tries to get the word away because he's fighting against the word on the inside of you, that seed. Okay? Now for when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Because now you've got to draw that line in the sand. And you've got to say, I'm going to stand on that word that was from God. I don't care how I feel, what it looks like, what's happening on the outside of me. That word was from him. And no trial, no tribulation, no test, no circumstance is going to steal that word out of my heart. So help me, God. And you stand. And Ephesians 6, after you've stood, stand some more. And you hold the faith shield up because nothing, no fiery dart of the enemy will penetrate the shield of faith. But as soon as you move it down to look, is it working? Who's out there? Do you know what's exposed? And you get slammed. That's why you don't get out from the shield of faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing. And hearing the word, the word, the word, the word, the word that is sown in your heart, sown in your heart, sown in your heart. So if you're here and you're having a difficult time concerning something in your life, go to someone who will speak word to you. And rededicate yourself to the promise of the word that was spoken to you. It's nice when people cry and they feel sorry for you. That's great. There's a time for that. But that's not going to keep the enemy away. So you need someone that will sit you down and say, what does the word of God say? What is the last word that God has spoken to you? Go back to that and stand on that word until it comes to pass. So he goes on and now he says, for he who receives seed amongst the thorns is he who hears the word, cares of the word. That's a whole nother teaching. 23, but he who receives seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands. What does that understand mean? To act upon, to do. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to get the opportunity to act upon, to do what God is telling us. So the one who acts upon, the one who receives the word of God, and because he's Lord, we do what he tells us to do. Then he says he shall bear fruit. Some a hundred some 60, some 30. Who, child of God, decides how much fruit you bear? Does God set up there a huge whiteboard in heaven? Bam! Expanding from one galaxy to the next. All our names on there. Okay, Sister Joe. Hmm. Well, we'll give her 60 fruit. Brother Bob. Man, that guy, yeah, we'll give him a hundred. Betty, ah, you know, she, uh, let's just give her 30 guys, put over there. So now when you come here, it's already decided how much fruit you're going to bear. No, it's what you do with the word that was given to you when you go through every single test and trial and every deceitful thing in this world. And when you go through that and you say, I'm going to stand and I'm going to stand until I have this. And once I get it, I'm going to get more and I'm going to teach it. And I am going to bring forth a hundredfold fruit. That's my decision. But you and I have to go through the first three soils before we get to the fourth. In other words... Jesus says, concerning a certain thing, concerning a certain seed, concerning a certain principle, four people will hear the same principle. 
three people will bring forth nothing. One out of the four will bring forth either 30, either 60, or either 100. It's up to them, and I'm going to help them to do whatever they need to make 100% come to pass. They've got my name. They've got the word. They've got the cross. They've got my blood. They have everything and the greater one dwelling in them at the same time. So this is concerning words that we receive and looking at it wrongly and, and why these tests and trials come. Because the enemy is trying to steal it out of you. So when you hear a certain word concerning a certain thing in your life, had it be anything, your call, your destiny, health, finances, marriage, spouse, job, whatever it may be, make sure that you get the word of God. Because now once you've got that word, that's what you hold on to. And you hold on to until you see the fruit concerning that word in your life come to pass. And you don't stop and you don't give up. Does that make sense? Okay. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 13 and please put up verse 31. Another parable he put forth. So this is now after the parable of the sower. Jesus says, if you don't understand this parable, the parable of the sower, you won't understand any of the others. Get the parable of the sower, understand it. So yeah, he puts forth another parable. Another parable he puts forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like. Okay, so now he's, he's, he's using a picture. He has a picture to describe what it's like because now in your mind we understand how the kingdom works. So now I can, uh, what's the word, um, compare. It's like. Kingdom of heaven is like. Doing this and, and it brings forth this, this and this. So the kingdom of heaven is like. So that's verse 31. Please, verse 33. Thirteen thirty-three. Another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like. That's not a misprint. It's, it's another verse, just two verses down from 31. Once again, he says, okay, this is how the kingdom works. It is like. And then he gives the example. Next one, same chapter, verse 44. You know where we're going with this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like. 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like. So get this. Get the importance of the sower. Every parable he tells after Matthew 13, the sower sows the word, he can now tell you what it is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. Because now we can compare because we know how it works. The sower sows the word. He doesn't start off by saying the kingdom of heaven is like. Do you get the difference there? The sower sows the word is how the kingdom starts. And of this. The kingdom of heaven starts by a word from God. That's the sower sows the word. This is how it starts. God, Holy Spirit, Jesus, through people, through however, sows a word to you. You receive the word. That's how the kingdom concerning that thing starts. And whatever you do with that seed that you received will either make it die and it's not going to work because you're going to give into the test and trial, the temptations of riches and all of that, or you're going to bring forth 30, 60, or 100 fold. That's how it starts. But every parable after that, he says the kingdom of heaven is like. There's a big difference in how it starts, because now it's like. This is, it's in practice now, because it's already started. There's a big difference. So only the parable of the sower, he doesn't say it's like, because there's nothing to liken it to. It has not started yet. But this is how the kingdom starts. Somebody sows a word and you receive. Because all four groups receive the word. What they did with it was four different responses. But each and every one received the word. That's how the kingdom starts. The sower. That's why Jesus said, if you have ears to hear, hear. And then he says, okay, behold, they said, explain it to us. He said, behold, look here, listen, 
a sower sows the word. What's he saying? He's saying, if you have ears to hear, hear me now. This is how it starts. Hear this word. Put this word in your heart because this is kingdom seed. This is how it starts. And after that, you can like something else. It's like something else. That, that is how that works. Are we all good there? Okay. Um, how am I doing? There's still lots of time. Okay. This is where we're heading to the end. I know God wants to do this today. A while ago, I was invited to a fundraiser. And you could pay so much money, minimum amounts, and you mix and mingle with the VIPs there. And then you can pay up to whew, a lot of money. So I, I just did the, I was just going. I just, just, just the amount to get my foot in the door. So in any case, I'm there. It's in August. It is hot. It is hot and humid. It is, man, it's, I don't do well in heat and when I'm hungry. And I'm standing outside. And it's a nice place. It's a fundraiser. It's these, you know, can't wear jeans and a t-shirt. So I've got nice pant, long shirt. So I arrive at the time I'm supposed to arrive and it's hot. And I'm standing outside. I walk into the place and they sign me in. You get to a table there and your name, blah, 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 over here. Okay, you paid so much. So Oh, you're only supposed to be at 6.30, you know that, hey? So I said, oh, okay, well, it said, you know, five or something on the, uh, five is for the VIPs, the people who paid a a lot of money. But welcome, we're so happy you're here. (laughs) Just wait until 6.30 and then you can go in. I'm like, an hour and a half, you want me to stand in this? I didn't say that, I'm just thinking in my mind. So I said, God bless you, thanks so much. So I went to my car. Turn the car and sit in the air conditioner. I'm meditating. I'm praising God. Thank you, Lord. Such a, a hot day, but I've got an air con. This is amazing. This is wonderful. So I'm there. Eventually, okay, so about 10 to 6, I go in, but I've been drinking water in the car, so I need to go to the bathroom. I'm looking for one of these potty things, these toilets on the outside. There's not one. I'm thinking to myself, you have all these people. They give so much money. You don't have a toilet here. What's up with this? So I say to the people outside, whether they're bottles of water and a couple of drinks there, where, where's the bathroom? So they say, you've got to go in first door to the left. In any case. So I say, okay. So, so I go inside, man, and as I step in, shoo, air condition is blowing inside. It's lovely. There are people walking around with cheese and cold meats and olive. I'm thinking, this is the place to be. This is wonderful. So I go to the bathroom, and I, as I walk out, I just stand by the window, and I watch all the people, and I'm standing in the corner minding my own business, and I must be there for about 30 minutes. And this person is talking, another person, or very important people, they're speaking, 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 and the one guy says, well, please stop recording now because I know you all paid a lot of money. You're all VIPs in this room, so I want to tell you certain things that I don't want you to record. I didn't pay the money. I'm not a VIP. I'm just enjoying the air conditioner. <laughs> so I'm standing in this room, and I turn around, and I look, and everyone standing around has got a big red mark on their name tag. Mine doesn't have that. So I kind of, you know, fold my hands over my name tag now. <laughs> I'm looking for the door so that I can get out as quick as possible because my, my greatest dilemma is always this. Seriously, it's always this. What happens if they see the pastor standing here and he did not pay the money, but he's standing in the VIP room. That's, that's my greatest thought in, in all seriousness. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't belong here. That's my first. That's him. Oh, man, goodness. I didn't know. I, honestly, I went to the bathroom and I just stood by the aircon. That's all. I didn't know that these are VIPs. I didn't know that these are the people that pay the money, but I know that I should not be here. I don't belong amongst this group of people. So I close and I quickly walk outside and I go to the first table that there and the people are sitting and they're sweating outside and they, they look at me and I say, man, it's nice in there. Have you been in there? Oh, no, those are just for the VIPs. They say, yeah, VIPs, you know, that's nice. The Bible says, confess your sins one to another. That was not sin. I didn't know I was doing it. So I can't be held accountable. But I still worry about if someone does, for whatever reason, see me one day and say, you know what, that guy was standing there. He didn't pay the money. And he, in any case, two Fridays ago, I, as your pastor, I slipped up. I messed up so big. 
huge. I sinned. I stepped out of what I call the love walk. The Pharisees came to Jesus and said, what are the greatest of the laws? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And I didn't do that. I stepped out of the love walk and I acted in the flesh in a big way. I blew it. I blew it as a son to my parents. I blew it as a husband to my wife. I blew it as a father to my son. I blew it as a pastor of you people. I sinned. I stepped out of love and stepped into the flesh in a huge way. And I can explain to you how everything happened because I understand how the mind works. Throughout the day, certain things were happening. And now because I know what happens with the mind, it just reached a point where I just had to see or think something. And just a, a last little bit of cortisol had to enter my brain. Shut down the limbic system and now I can't reason anymore. Now I'm in the fight or flight system and I just, I lost it. And I sinned. So as soon as it's finished, I do what I have to do. I go home. I'm sitting in a room and I'm just absolutely heartbroken because I know better. Shouldn't do that. And I've been working on this thing and I haven't done this for, for years, literally, month, years. And it just stuck its head out again and I partook of sin and flesh. So I'm in my prayer room, whatever you want to call it. And I'm just, I'm, I'm bawling. My heart is I, on, on my... One hand, I have less fingers, and I can tell you how many times in my life I've cried like that in repentance before the Lord. That's Friday night. I'm in front of God, and I'm crying. And for me to accept God's forgiveness, easy. Not difficult. Because I have spent so much time on the cross, and what he did, and what he paid, and I've gone through people like Abraham, and Moses, and David, and I've studied their lives, and Paul, and Peter, and I, I fit in well with those guys, because I, I receive the same grace. I could receive God's forgiveness, and God's love like that, but I knew better. I should not have done that, and I could not forgive myself. So Friday comes and we do what we have to do. Sorry, Saturday comes and the whole week's going on. And on the inside, this is just literally eating me up from the inside. Not from God's point of view, because I repented. First Corinthians talks about true repentance that brings forth salvation. And then it, brings, it talks about worldly repentance that brings forth death. So I truly repented. So everyone that was there, everyone I wronged, I wrote a letter to, and I said, listen, this is me. I was wrong. I should not have done that. I knew better. I'm asking your forgiveness. I did wrong. And I wrote everyone that was there, and, and I made right. I hate repenting. Let me, let me, let me tell you why. Because when I have to repent means I already chose to sin. Repenting is not the issue. Repenting means you chose to sin. That's why if I do have to repent, it means I chose to sin. That's why I don't like it, because I've already fallen. But I repented properly. I'm just sitting, and I'm in the room, and I'm telling you, I, I'm, I am crying like I have cried maybe three or four times in my life before. And the Lord takes me to Mark chapter 11. If we can go there, please. Mark chapter 11. And... From the time I got saved and the group I belonged to and where I was, I can quote this off by heart. This is one of my favorite King Peace scriptures in the Word. This is amazing. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you will receive them and you will have them. We have a problem, though, because we have many Christians speaking to the mountain, but the mountain's not moving, and they say, I'm believing. Jesus says, if you speak and you believe, the mountain will move. Another sermon for another day. So I now have, specifically in my life right now, I have two big mountains I'm talking to, and I need those mountains to move. 
So these are my favorite verses. I speak to that mountain. I believe in my heart it's going to happen. I know I'm getting my heart to where my soul is. I'm, I'm lining the two up. And I'm reading, reading, and God's not finished. He says, go through it again, go through it again, go through it again. And I'm going, and I'm going, and I'm going, and I'm going. Verse 25. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, forgive. I had something against someone, and I refused to forgive. And what that means is, because what we were singing is, take your rightful place. If Jesus is Lord, if he is master, if he says you want that mountain to be removed, yes, you feel bad. Yes, you made a mistake. Yes, you screwed up. I understand all of that. But if you want that mountain gone, do not look at what's right or wrong, because yes, you were wrong, but I have forgiven you. Now you look at light and darkness, life and death. So in you not forgiving yourself, that mountain is going to stay there and my kingdom is not going to expand in that territory that you're looking for it to expand. So until you forgive yourself, you can talk and talk and talk and talk to that mountain and that mountain will not move and it's not me. Because you have received the word of sonship and forgiveness and grace and all of that. And now let's see how much you believe it. Because it's easy for you to receive my forgiveness. But let's see you walking in your forgiveness towards yourself. Man, that was hard because I just blew it so bad. And he forgave me so graciously. And now he says, forgive yourself graciously. Who am I to say, well, you don't know how it feels. He knows. You weren't there. He, he was there. He knows everything. Who am I to say to the master, I receive your forgiveness, but I place my wrongdoing and my walking in the flesh higher than your grace. Who am I? And this is what I believe God wants to do today. If you are here, like me, not me anymore, but if you have done something, whatever it is, I don't care what it is, nobody has to know, but you have not forgiven yourself 100%, and you are not walking in the freedom that God and Jesus has made available for you, Today, what we were singing, take your rightful place, he wants to change that today. We use that verse in Genesis where Joseph comes to his brothers and God will use that which the enemy meant for evil, God will use for good. And in this whole circumstance, that what the enemy wanted to use for evil, which was evil, God wants to use for good. I went through all of that so I can come here today and tell you I know how it feels. And God spoke to me and God said, there are people in here today and you need to humble yourself because that's pride. Boil it down, cook it down to its root. If you do not receive his forgiveness and forgive yourself, that's pride because you're saying that your sin is greater than his grace. That's pride. God resists the proud. Not that he wants to, but there's only one way of getting that mountain gone. That's by grace. That's what God wants to do today. If you are here, a child of God, and you have done, I don't care what it is. It can be when you were four, five, six years old. I have a friend in Taiwan. He's in his 60s. And when he was a young, young boy, younger than 10, mom and dad went out somewhere one night. He didn't get up from the TV. Sat and he watched TV. They never came back. And he's in his 60s today, and he still has not forgiven himself for getting up, walking to his mom and dad and saying goodnight and goodbye that night when they left. They were just going to visit some friends quickly. But the TV was more important. They never came back. And for more than 50 years, 
that man has had some mountains in his life because he has not received forgiving himself the way God has forgiven him. If you want to get rid of those mountains, which we do, if he is truly Lord of your life, which he is, if that is you and you have something that you have not forgiven yourself for, please come to the front right now because God wants to get this thing settled. The eyes of the Lord flow to and fro across the earth looking for those whose hearts are sold out to him. He sees everything. He knows everything. Don't sit there if there is something that you did and you have not forgiven yourself. Because he has forgiven you. You know that. But it's now time to step in his grace and forgiveness for you to forgive you. So that you can speak with faith and anointing and power to every mountain in your life. So that that mountain can be removed. Do not miss this moment. This is between you and God. Coming up here takes guts, but it's worth it. Because coming up here, when you leave this place, when you turn around and you have said your amen for this prayer, you have forgiven yourself. And you are absolutely so free, freer than you have ever been in your life before. And what is the enemy called? He's called the accuser. Of the brethren, not the judge. There's only one judge of living spirits, and that's God Himself. The enemy is called the accuser of the brethren. And we're going to pray now, and we are going to forgive ourselves just as He has forgiven us. And we are going to walk in that power and that grace. And now mountains are going to move. Are you ready? To step into such freedom like only God can give. Father God, we come now before you. I thank you for this word, Lord. I thank you for using this whole circumstance that was not pleasant. But you looked and you got the good out of it like you always do. And we come, Lord, today as your children. And we come today washed and forgiven because of your sacrifice on the cross. Nothing else. It's your grace. But you tell us, Lord, to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of the Lord so that in due time you can raise us up and you can uplift us. That is your desire. So we come today right now as your children and we lay this at the cross. We put this at your feet Never, ever to be accused again. Never, ever to pick up this guilt and this shame. Never, ever to walk in this again. But to say, on this day, I was free from that. And I forgive myself. And I now walk completely and whole in Him. So repeat after me. Father God, I come now as your child, washed in the blood forgiven by you and I bring my sin that I held against me and I put it at the cross I forgive myself I forgive myself I walk free as I hand this to you you paid for my freedom. I receive that right now. And just take whatever that was. Put it in your hand and in your mind. Just take it and put it at the cross and say, thank you for taking this and leave it there.
put it at the cross. Put it down. It's not your burden to bear. You can't hold it. You can't hold it. It's not yours. He paid for it. He wants you to go free. Repeat after me. I am loved by the Father. I am forgiven by the Father. I forgive myself. I love myself. And I love my purpose. I will finish that what I was called to do in freedom. Because today I step into that freedom of Jesus Christ's forgiveness and my forgiveness. Say your own name. You are forgiven. Okay, Father, I come now from this side all the way through, Lord, to the very other side. And I thank you for today. I thank you for these people coming. I thank you for them humbling themselves so that now you can work through them, Lord, move mountains. You can work through them, Lord, through the grace that you've made available to them. You can raise them up because they have put their trust in you. They are completely free because as they have forgiven others, now they forgive themselves. And never, ever again let the accuser make you feel anything concerning this because it's settled right here, right now, today. Just take a minute and just thank him because, man, it is gone, it is good, it is all well. When you turn around from this place, child of God, you walk in freedom. Never ever to be bothered by this thing, whatever it was, ever again. And now, when you pray and speak unto the mountain and believe in your heart that whatever you say you will have, you will have it because you have forgiven yourself.